0: Now you caged in This is what boys turn to made men This ain't no game, ain't no playpen Come with the hook and the kick Now your stomach is sick and there ain't no escaping Come to the cage and get knocked
1: out Come into work and get clocked out Get hit with uppercut straight to the upper cut, down for the count and he can't even talk now This MMA, what we talking about Yeah, you tuned into the pod now Gon' be hard for you to stop now Yeah, we caged in
0: Caged in. Yeah, we caged in. Welcome back to another episode of Caged In. I'm your host, Krista Carlo. So, last week, I had the opportunity to go out to the Plymouth Memorial Hall in Massachusetts and cover an event called Cage Titans 51. If you don't know, it's one of the better promotions in the New England area. And I had the opportunity to go out there and cover that event for. My caged in brand. You know, I do the podcast. I'm also on the social medias, Twitter and Instagram. And the main event of that fight was Joe Gianetti versus Jacob Bond. Now, I decided to have Joe Gianetti on this podcast today to talk about the fight. And then we went all the way back to the beginning of his career, talked about how he got into MMA, kind of his journey up through Ultimate Fighter, and then life after the Ultimate Fighter. We talked about his stint in LFA, and we got some really juicy stuff about his deal with Patty Pimblett over in London with the Cage Warriors situation, all right? So make sure you listen through the whole thing. There's a lot of good juicy details and a lot of good information about Joe Giannetti, Okay. This kid is young, he's on the rise, and he has the potential and the talent to make a name for himself in the future of MMA. All right? So without further ado, let's get Joe Gianetti on the line and let's pick his brain a little bit. All right, man. So I'm here with Joe Skeletor Gianetti. Joe, thanks for joining me today, bro. How are you? Good. How you doing? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. So basically, I know you just fought and I want to get into that fight a little bit, a little later. But first, I just want to start off kind of run it back to the beginning and kind of get your backstory run through your career a little bit and then we'll talk about cage titans 51 sound good sounds good to me all right buddy so what got you into the gym like how'd you get into the gym started training mma kind of Uh, what was your first encounter like over there
1: very first fight i ever saw was anderson silva and uh forrest griffin Mm -hmm. and at like just a friend of mine's house like we didn't want to watch the fights his dad was just home watching the fights and like seeing the way that like anderson silver moved, like it looked like a movie it didn't look right. like a fight uh so i fell in love with the sport after that and then you know growing up in middle school and high school like i got into a lot of fights because i used to get picked on for being fat so i fought all the time and then when i got into high school i wrestled and i kind of used it as something to like you know the sports focused on weight classes so i used that to like lose weight uh, my freshman year i wrestled at heavyweight and my year i wrestled at 170. um uh, my, and we didn't have a lot of support from our school, so we had a new coach every year. And right. my senior year, uh, my head coach was a professional MMA fighter, Justin Burrell. He's still always in my corner. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't use the cafeteria for practice one day because the cheerleaders had to practice. So we got bumped out of there, and he actually got the school to let us all go down to where he trained MMA. That's what's up. So, so I went to South Shore Sport Fighting. We ran our wrestling practice, and then I stuck around for grappling, and the
0: rest is history that's fire man so where are you from i know you're from mass what part of mass are you from
1: um so i get this question a lot and if you go different interviews you'll get different answers i moved right. around when i was a kid mm-hmm. uh so i was born in boston i grew up until i uh, so until i was in like fourth grade i was down the cape mm-hmm. uh, i lived in bostable and then i uh, from like fourth grade to the end of high school i was bouncing around the south shore i was in rockland whitman
0: abington uh i was in hanson for a little bit i was all over the place yeah, yeah, yeah. i feel you i feel you i live down cape myself so that's pretty crazy oh, okay um so let's go right into your amateur career bro what started what got you into your first amateur fight was it just uh south shore those guys over there kind of you, you got the training in and then all of a sudden you're like hell let's go for it
1: so when when i was in high school and i was already i'd been plenty of fights already I never really knew what I wanted to do with my life. And then mm. like, I got into another fight and then I kind of was like, well, why don't I just try and do like that UFC stuff? Like I'm already fighting kids in high school. Like, why don't I just fight other people and make money? Oh, for sure. And, um, you know, everybody faces it, at least when I was in school. I don't know if they still do, but like you always get that English teacher that's like, what are you going to do when you graduate? And everybody's sitting there like, oh, I'm going to be a nurse tech. I'm going to be a surgeon. I'm going to be this, that. I'm going to go in the military. And I was like, uh, I think I'm going to be an MMA fighter. Right. She was like, what? And I was like, why not? And she was like, well, you do fight a lot. And I was like, and I can get paid for it.
0: Exactly.
1: And like, it's funny, because she wasn't like, she didn't like super support it, but she was like, I mean, you're not wrong. Like, right. you can make, might as well, right? And I was like, <laughs> well, you know what I mean? So I knew I wanted to fight, and when I walked into South Shore after my wrestling season and uh, talked to Bill Mahoney, I literally said, I was like, I, I want to be a UFC fighter, and I'm going to be a UFC fighter. So like, I need to learn how to get my ass kicked and start kicking people's ass. And, you know, every gym you hear, oh, I'm going to be a UFC fighter. But from day one, I was like, what's the schedule? Like, when can I train? I trained every day as many times a day as I could until I eventually got invited to the fight team practices. And then I was going to that. So I trained like a pro fighter from day one. And that's what I explain to people why, you know, I was on the Ultimate Fighter when I was only 22. I had so many fights as an amateur and a pro banged out so fast was because I was already training harder than the top pros in New England when I didn't even have a fight yet.
0: Right. That's crazy, bro. So, at what point in that kind of transition in that part of like the beginning stages of career, of your career, like when did you realize like this is something that I'm actually good at and this is something that I can turn into a long-term career or, you know, something that I can potentially m- keep making money off of for a while?
1: Uh, so I always believed in myself for my hard work. Like that's where my confidence comes from. And and we'll probably get to it, but that's something, you know, with this last fight, like it was very hard. So I wasn't super confident in the preparation. Yeah. Uh, but my very last amateur fight, when I fought Jose Rivera the second time, and I won by, I think it was a unanimous decision, but he was beating the hell out of me on the feet. And I kept taking him down, attacking submissions, getting control and going for a lot of ground and pound. And I won, but he beat me up so bad on the feet. And in the fifth round of that fight, I remember I stood up from the stool and like I heard that little voice in my head that some people think I'm crazy when I say it, but a lot of fighters get it. There's a voice in my head that was like, if you just put your hands down and walk out there, guaranteed he'll knock you out in like two punches and then it's over. Then right. you don't like he doesn't have to hit you for the next three minutes if he just knocks you out quick because then yeah. just wakes you just and be over. And then for a second I was like, that's a good point. I was like, I could just go out there and just you know let him put two on my chin and I'll wake up. And then I was like, no, fuck that. I was like we're, like, we're doing good. Like, keep doing what we're doing. So, like, after that fight, I remember I was, like, on my knees. They raised my hand, and I was like, I can do this. Like, I, yeah. I went through that for free. Like, I don't get paid for that. I can do this for some money. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. That's crazy, man. That is nuts, though. Like, just the, the train of thought that goes through your head. Like, I can never experience it. People that don't get in there will never experience it. But just hearing it from fighters like you, that you do have, like, there's like a different realm once you get into that cage, and stuff just starts clicking differently in your head. So it is kind of it's awesome. That's why I love doing these interviews. I love talking to guys like you because so I get to understand it just a little bit of what it's like to get in there. You know what I mean? You
1: know, I'm I'm still trying to understand it every day. Like any fighter that's fought a lot, fought different competition, will tell you like no two fights are the same. And like your your mental space, so many weird things get thought. Like if you ever told me a fighter thinks like how can I get knocked out and get out of here. Oh, it happens. I've been there. And that little voice is, it's your brain trying to save you from taking more damage. Mm-hmm. And you're so tired. It's like, well, I could knock him out, but I'm so tired. If he knocks me
0: out, that'll just be faster. Yeah, be it's just way it. easier that way. <laughs>
1: yeah. And then you have to fight that while you're fighting another guy.
0: Yeah, for sure, dude. All right, so let's get into like your amateur career. You went 7-0. and Pro career, you're now 11-4-1. Um, how I heard of you and how I found out about you, and I'm sure many others, was the, through The Ultimate Fighter. How did you end up on the Ultimate Fighter? Was it through, like, the open workouts that they do, or were you um, scouted and cast that way? Kind of what was that that process like to get on the show?
1: Uh, so it was from the open the open call. I just saw a post on Facebook, and, you know, it said at the bottom, it said they were looking for, I think, lightweights, welterweights, and middleweights, or whatever the third-weight class was. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, featherweights, yeah, they had the 45ers. And everybody was tagging me in on Facebook, and I was like, like, is this real? Because I didn't know how the Ultimate Fighter casting works. So I was right. like, it can't be that easy, right? Like, they don't just put it out there. So I started looking into it, and I was like, holy shit, like, it's that easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was 6-0 and oh at the time, but, you know, I didn't really have any money. So I, I, my friends made a GoFundMe, and we put together, like, 800 bucks, and it was just enough for the hotel and the flights. And I flew out there, and I did the tryouts. And there was, like, different stages throughout the, the few days. So I made it through, like, the first two. And then there was a good amount of us left by the end of the week, and they were basically just like, yeah, like we'll call you and we'll let you know. So then
0: I went home like, I think I made it. Like, <laughs> I felt pretty good, but I don't know. That is wild. Where was? Where do they hold the tryouts at? Was it in Vegas? So the one I
1: went to was in Vegas. Um, I forget what. It was like at a hotel with like a, a ballroom.
0: Right, they basically so they just kind of ran ball. it in there. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. So throughout the season, you were on Team Cormier, correct? Yes, sir. And you ended up making it to the finale versus Mike Trezano. I know you dropped that one by split decision, razor close fight. Um, Thinking back on that fight now as a more experienced fighter, like, what do you look back on that specific fight and kind of like go back and like, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you um, mentally prepare yourself for like looking back on that?
1: Uh, I look at that fight now after this weekend to just, be the best fighter on the planet on my worst day. Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of like the storyline behind like my last fight. And it's something that anybody that's close to me knows I've had a few fights that weren't really my night and I've struggled to perform on those nights. So any of those fights where it's like, Joe looks kind of off or this, that, because I am. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you get in there, none of that shit matters. And that's the, that's the whole point. And that's something that I kind of knew after a few of these losses, but I was trying to enforce and act upon is like, I get it. Like shit happens, but shit happens to everybody. Like you've got to just do what you can do with what you have. Um, and last Saturday night I did that. And so, you know, looking back on that fight 22 or turned 23, the day, literally the day before the fight, I turned 23, um, 23 year old me wasn't ready for that because so many of my fights felt, felt like a storybook. It felt like I won these fights. I wasn't supposed to win. I was, I was smoking guys. You know, I had the fastest submission on ultimate fighter history. And then, I never really put out like a beating on the feet before my fight with Alon was a striking clinic. So it felt like a storybook. And then the finale, I kind of had like a terrible same thing, terrible week. I-, I got sick, all this bullshit. Uh, and like I said, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. When, when you get in there and they shut the door, get the job done, period. And then we'll talk about it afterwards. Uh, and at 23 years old, I wasn't ready for that because I was like, Oh, this is my moment. Like this is my storybook. But like your story never goes according to plan that's the whole story
0: is having the, the bumps in the road. Of course, man. It's all about, you know, the struggles that it takes to get there. And then, like you said, once that cage locks and it's you and the other man across the cage, one person's going to win, one's going to lose and then pick up the pieces after that. So, um, you know, when I was watching the show, obviously I gravitated towards you because you're a local kid, someone that is close to my area. So I gravitated and was rooting for you on the show and, um, seeing you come up short. I was like, yeah, but he's going to get a contract anyway. Right. like, <laughs> I feel like because I watched the sh- I've seen every season of the show, and I feel like I've seen a lot of these guys that come in as the runner up, or even guys that get asked to fight on the finale, and they're not even in the uh, even in the in the um, finale fight, they still end up like getting a UFC contract, and I end up seeing them for like two or three more fights. So was that something that was on the table for you, or was that just something that never slid across the desk?
1: Um, it was never spoken about to me. It was something that you know I tried to deter my friends from even thinking about because like. A lot of people around me in my life still, and some that walked out after losing the finale, um, they were kind of like set, like like Joe's in the UFC, like he's on the finale. So, you know, whether he wins or loses, like they're definitely going to give him a contract. And in my head, I was like, no, that's not even how I want a contract. Like <laughs> even after I lost and didn't get a contract, I wanted a contract, but I wanted it. I wanted to earn it. Like I wanted to be the ultimate fighter. I wanted to be, you know, tough 27, undefeated, gets a contract, all that shit. But I didn't want to lose, especially after having such a bad performance and then, then be like, Oh, by the way, like, here's like a pity contract. Yeah. And in hindsight, like where I'm at now, I'm glad that I didn't get that pity contract because I've gotten so much better since then. And I feel like if I got that contract, I wouldn't have learned anything and I wouldn't have felt the need to improve. And I probably would have won one, lost one or lost two or three in a row <laughs> would have been a mediocre career. And then I would have got cut. Yeah. Then, would have been saying what they said that night oh he's not ready he doesn't deserve it all that crap so now it's just like i've been forced to improve over this amount of time and uh i'm still improving and i'm never going to stop improving
0: oh for sure i mean you were like you said you were so young on the show you were what 22 you said and what you're old how old now 27 26 26 so that's you know four or five years of growth right there so you know especially with how hard you work all you can do is improve throughout those years so i'm sure you're even more ready now and going to be more ready as your career prove- progresses that you'll be even better once you get your another shot cuz i know you will you will get a shot to get in there um is the ultimate fighter something that you would do again if asked 100% 100% yeah. me and my girl joke about all the time like i would go
1: like i know this season coming up i think they were talking about like womens and heavy womens like 45ers or 35ers and then like heavyweights or something mm-hmm. i would go do it if they were doing uh welterweights i would do it again if they were doing lightweights uh a lot of people complain when they're on that show they're like oh i miss my girlfriend i miss my friends and my family and i'm like no no they know why i'm here like i got i got a job to do and it's a i tell people every time the ultimate fighter was a fighter's heaven if you're if you like to fight or you like to at least train it is fighter's heaven you wake up you eat you train you sleep and repeat that's all you have to do you have no responsibilities even yeah, something as sure. as walking
0: and feeding your dog you don't got to take care of it Facts. Uh, They always say it's like a pressure cooker in there. Like it's all you're doing is how long are you in the house for? Do you think for filming like two months? Uh, Like probably five weeks. I was in there maybe. Yeah. Five weeks. Five weeks. So you're just in there eating, breathing, living, fighting for five weeks. So everybody that I've talked to from the show says that it's the same thing. You know, it's a pressure cooker. It's hard. uh, All you're doing is just fighting. You have to fight multiple times within those five weeks. So as a, a fighter that has been there, um, I'm sure that you can also relate with everybody else that that it's, it's got to be such a grind to go in there and do that for every day for five weeks, just putting your body through the camps and the fights and all that stuff. For
1: sure. Uh, I think it's a, it's a pressure cooker, but it's also, I think it depends how you look at it and how you react. Like, you know, like ever since I've tried to make my life like the ultimate fighter, just try and live fighting as much as I can, because at the end of the day, like, that's not the hard shit. The hard shit is I work overnights. The hard shit is training like that and then working eight hours and not sleeping, sleep for three hours and get up and train to do it all over again. Like there's people that work nine to fives that they hate. Forget working a nine to five or an even longer shift. There's people that work every day at jobs that they hate. Oh, yeah. I can't do that. You know, I, I work with my dad. And I hate it sometimes, but I also get to train and I exactly. love training. So it's there's
0: good and bad in everything, but it depends what you look at. Oh, for sure. So on the show, you were on Team Cormier. You now train at AKA. Was there a connection? Was that connection? Is that Did that come from the show being on Team Cormier that made you go out there to AKA and do your, your fight camps out there?
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, they told me while I was still on the show that I'm always welcome over there. I can go whenever. Um, <clears throat> and I ended up doing my... They told me they wanted me to do my fight camp for the finale at AKA. But I was just... I was super nervous about it because it's one thing to do you know, be on team DC on the show where like everything's focused around me. It's another to try and like meet a new group of guys, get to know what's training partners. I like to work with for such a big thing. I was like, I appreciate it, but I'm going to stay home and I'm going to train here where I know how to train who's safe to go with, you know, everybody's got that guy. They just don't blend with. Well, Mm -hmm. um, so I trained at home there and then I lost and then I was like, you know what? Okay. We got the big one out of the way. Let's try something new. And then I started going to AKA, And it's expensive and it's difficult, but, you know, these last two camps, I'm able to go um, longer. I'm able to go – I have my own vehicle while I'm out there, so I'm able to go multiple times a day. Whereas when I first started going, I was going once a day because I I would just go when somebody else was going because I didn't have a car.
0: Mm -hmm. Damn. And you have to travel. Like, you're you're fighting for cage titans currently, and you're training out in – uh, with an AKA, what's your travel like back and forth? I know that's gotta be kind of a a toll.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Uh, so for people that don't know, I converted a school, a short school bus into an RV and I drive it drive cross country. So, uh, it's usually about four or five days. If I'm like just kind of staying comfortable mm-hmm. this time on the way back, the snowstorm was coming. So I was trying to beat it. I did it in uh, a little under three days. I did 12 hours. And then I, I did 10 hours did 12 hours and then i did 24 straight so a little under four days Um, yeah so that was exhausting but it's i try to do as quick as i can on the way back because then i could take a whole day to just sleep and rest and recover um and it is expensive because people are always like there's no way that's cheap but the crazy part is is to i could fly out there get an airbnb and rent a car Mm -hmm. the rent car and the airbnb one of those is going to actually put my budget over how much it costs to drive the bus out there. Right. It's just that expensive out here, uh, out there. So I do save a little bit money by driving out, but it's still expensive. I still drop thousands of dollars to do my camps out there. Um, and by the time my fight camps are over, I either break even or I'm in debt. Um, but it's more of an investment in the future than it is an investment in my wallet right now.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, you're training at one of the best gyms in the country. Um, I know, like you said, right now it's a little tougher, but it should, it will all pay off in the end and then you'll look back at it and be, be grateful for it. So, um, like I said, just keep doing that grind. I know it, it sucks and it's I think it'll pay off for you and then bro. I really do. Um uh, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, everything everything I- happens. It's funny. My girlfriend's dad actually said it best. He goes,
1: one day you're going to look back and laugh. And I'm thinking about it and I'm like, I don't know. This shit doesn't seem funny. Like my first trip <laughs> out there, my first trip out there, my wheels fell off the back of the Ooh. bus while I was driving. And God, they bounced when I looked out the window. And he's like, I promise you one day you'll look back and laugh at it. And it didn't take long because we look back at it all the time. And like when I leave, they're like, check your wheels. I'm
0: like, good point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's going to be a never-ending joke from now on. Yeah. <laughs> so after after the Ultimate Fighter, you went back to Cage Titans. And then I saw you had a couple fights for LFA. Yeah. Uh you ended up dropping both of those unanimous decisions um what was it like fighting for lfa is there any any um anything you can tell me about that promotion because it's one that i enjoy watching as a fan um, oh i love it, it was yeah. a great uh what LFA, was the experience like with those guys lfa is awesome it's uh it is as
1: cl- it's as close to feeling like you're fighting for the ufc without fighting for the ufc and that's what i actually told them too um just everything they do you know they pick you up in there like their little charter bus van thing it's wicked nice got a tv in it you know you get the really nice hotel rooms um they have their whole regiment emailed out to everybody it was really nice you know ed suarez is the man uh, i actually bumped into him after my second fight for them and we ended up taking the shuttle back to the hotel together and i was like i was like i was like don't you manage anderson silva and he was like yeah and i and anderson's my favorite fighter so yeah i think quite out over him and he thought it was hysterical. <laughs> Um, but, yeah, me and Suarez talk all the time. Like He, he actually messaged me a month ago. It was like, hope everything's going good for you. And I was like, yeah, I hope you and the family are good. Um, so I got a good relationship with LFA. They're awesome. Um, you know, like you said, I had a, a unanimous and a split decision loss. Mm-hmm. The last one I had for them was close. Maybe we'll get that back one day. Um, but I'm looking to, to defend this King Titans belt as many times as I need to. And if the opportunity arises to conquer their belt, then we'll,
0: we'll look at that For sure. Uh, You've been with Cage Titans for like forever, it feels like at this point, right? Your entire amateur career, majority of your pro career has been for Cage Titans. So is that, I know we'll get into it a little bit in a little bit, because you promised a rematch for this next one. So um, I know the near future you're staying with Cage Titans, correct?
1: Yes, sir. Uh, Cage Titans was... The first, or not the first, it was the first local promotion I ever seen live. Uh, I went to my first UFC event in Boston, but my first local promotion live was Cage Titans. I wanted to fight for them because they just, they they were, for me, they seemed like they were the UFC. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was like, I got to fight for these guys. And then I ended up meeting Michael Palveer, talking to him. And when I first started training, I was just, I had just lost all this weight in high school. I had never lifted a weight, so I was just skin and bone. And everybody was like, this
0: kid's like not going to fight ever. And now I'm like, I'm like, yeah, well, I've run cage fights now. What's up? Yeah, what's well, good. <laughs> how has, um, how has the weight training helped you as a fighter too? I know it's like a, it's a weird balance between getting in there and pumping iron and then getting on the mats and rolling and throwing strikes. So how has that balance kind of helped you out since you started doing that?
1: Um, it's, it's helped so much, man. I used to lift all the time and the problem, I think the problem is, is people try to balance it and you can't, you have to. People say live in the moment. You have to live in the moment in every second of your day and dive hundred percent in. So like when I show up to, and when I'm at AKA and it's Tuesday morning and it's wrestling practice, I'm a wrestler. I'm treating that like I'm at like a D one school. We got a tournament this weekend. Like we are wrestling Thanks. unless say we're throwing in submissions to make you cautious on your shots. I am a wrestler. When mm-hmm. I get into the gym and it's deadlift day or it's bench day or whatever, I'm a power lifter. I'm trying to deadlift 450. I'm trying to bench 315. Like, I'm trying to get strong as shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was my problem for a while is like, I was always benching. I'd bench a little bit. I'd squat a little bit. I'd deadlift a little bit. I didn't do those little, like, those smaller lifts for those smaller muscles to assist it. Right. Uh, and that's why after my second loss at LFA, I was like, no, I felt strong, but not strong enough. The weight cut, just, I didn't feel like we did it right. I felt like my body was too depleted. So I took that year off and I was like, I'm going to get strong as shit. I'm going to get healthy and I'm going to make sure that my body doesn't hate me. And I felt like I was treating my body when I was making these weight cuts. Um, and so like health, as stupid as it sounds, has become my number one priority. If I can't do it healthy, I can't. do it. Um, and that's just been my goal. And this last year of lifting weights, I've gotten so much stronger. And I think people can see it in my fights now.
0: Yeah. Is that something that you have to be cautious of as well? Like when you're lifting, like making sure that your body composition is not getting thrown off too much and your body weight isn't fluctuating too much by building certain muscle and, you know, stuff like that. Is that something that you're conscious of while you're, while you're weight training as well?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And and something that I think a lot of fighters, unless they look into it, don't realize is you can lift as, as much as you want. You can lift as, as heavy, as light, or as many reps as you want. It all that stuff. The body transformation that all happens in the kitchen. Like, depending on how I eat, I can lean my body out or bulk up and get bigger. And, you know, my, not this last fight camp, but the second to last one was my first one in a while where I made weight and I didn't feel like I really cut weight. I, I showed up to weigh-ins like full of energy, like, let's go. Like I was the first one on the scale. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just high protein, eating all the right foods, eating um, enough of it. But my second to last fight camp, I I ate more food during that fight camp than I ever had in any camp in my life. And I didn't use a sauna. I just worked out in a hot gym twice and mm-hmm. made the weight. Um, so it's just about getting that. And that was like a problem with this last camp was how short it was, was trying to almost recreate that eight week healthy, slow diet, but speed it up to like three and a half weeks. And yeah. you just you can't rush the process and as close as we got it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, with that time and doing everything in an orderly fashion, you can get it done and be healthy.
0: For sure, man. You know, looking across your your resume and your record, there's one fight that stood out to me that I saw when it was announced. It was the Patty Pimblett fight that was going to be over for Cage Warriors in London. Um, What ended up happening? I know you, you agreed to take the fight. It was like a little over a week's notice, right?
1: It was like 11 days, I think.
0: Yeah. What ended up happening with that situation? Cause I know there was, there was a weight issue right in there. And then what? explain that situation to me real quick. I'm just curious. So cage warriors hit me up. So I'd hit them up prior in the past. Cause this was, there was
1: like a, a span where I couldn't get fights. I was just training and it was tough to stay motivated. Cause I got guys saying yes and then disappearing. So I think either Patty had fought and I watched it or I saw his fight get canceled. And I messaged cage warriors. And I said, you ever need somebody for Patty, keep me in mind. Matchmaker said, "We'll do for sure." Thanks for reaching out. And then, like three months later, I get a message at like 10, 10 o'clock at night. I had just ordered, I'll never forget, i will never forget—I had just ordered a steak and cheese sub. I had just taken it out of the bag, and I was like, "Oh, my phone rang." And I happen to check it, and I get that message, and I was like, "All right, Dad, you get a free sub." Yeah. There you go, <laughs> so, on, man. I was like, go, yeah, I was like, "Let me go check my weight." So I step on the scale, and I'm like 184, and I'm like, Sheesh. "I'm thinking, like 184, 155, in like 11 days." We can do this. This is gonna suck, but we can do this. So I, I take the fight, and then my dad goes, You have a passport? And I was like, All right, let me see if I can get a passport overnight. So I took the fight, I didn't tell him I didn't have a passport. I end up going right into the city of Boston. I get one overnight of 250 bucks. I go back in the next day to get it. And for the seven days before I left, because we were there for like four days before the fight, seven days before I left, I ate two eggs a day and drank two gallons of water. So I was running on 140 calories. God damn. No carbs, no good fats, nothing. It was the least healthy way you can cut weight, the worst way you can cut weight, but I ended up dropping down to 70. I think I might have just dropped down to 70 by the time we got to England. Mm-hmm. So We get to England. We found a gym that they said we could train at all week. Me and my teammate, Johnny Cupcakes, were just jogging and getting the calorie burn in, hit pads, wrestling, and then we go to the sauna. We ended up getting down to 60. One, yeah 61 and then I start having a hard time I'm like whatever we're five pounds out like we've got this
0: mm-hmm.
1: I go back in the sauna and my sweat stops just no. com- complete halt and I like sometimes when the cut gets bad I'll like as crazy as it sounds I'll try to take a nap because mm-hmm. then I'm not thinking about it right so I so I take a nap I'm sitting up against the wall and I wake up and I'm bone dry and I was like oh no yeah and so I so I look at Johnny and I was like, is this real? And he had like a little credit card and he swipes my back and it scratched me because I was dry. I was like, oh, fuck.
0: God damn.
1: And everything like I got no energy. I'm trying to do jumping jacks, can't get any sweat breaking. So we text the matchmaker and we check my weight. I'm 160. I text him. I go, hey, I'm not going to make weight. I'm 160. I cannot sweat. I tried everything like I'm sorry. I think there was like an hour before we had to be at the hotel for weigh don't worry, mate. I'm sure Patty will take it. We'll make it happen. Uh, he might ask to take some of your money because it was in the contract that Patty could take up to 30 percent or 20 percent. I forget. Right. And I was I was like, OK, no worries. So I show up and I tell them and then I step on the scale. I've to this day never seen a scale like it before in my life. It was like instead of like a little flat square you step on, mm-hmm. imagine a shoebox, but metal. Like, that's yeah. what it looked like. And I was like, where's the scale? And they pointed at it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I step on and like, my feet didn't even fit on it. I was like, am I standing on it right? Like, my toes and my heels are dangling off, but I'm on it. Right. And then it pops up and it says 164. And I'm like, I look around, like, am I being punked? So I step off and I step on. And it says 164. And I looked at Johnny and I was like, I don't know. I'm so confused. Right. And the maker was like, whatever, man, like, we'll make it happen patty steps up he made weight i don't remember what the number was right i go back to my seat and he starts running his mouth and i'm sitting there this kid's like i saved his fight and he's talking shit and i looked at johnny and i go hey man like it's not like i can go back in the sauna if i could sweat i would have made the weight Mm -hmm. i was like so should i start drinking water and he's like yeah go for it like they said it's fine I go okay so i have a cliff bar and a liter of water i take a bite of the cliff bar and of course as i'm taking a bite Patty and his team look over at me and they stand up and they're like, you put that down and you get back in the fucking sauna. And I was like, what? (laughs) <laughs> and they were like you're fucking eating over there after missing weight by eight pounds you get back in the sauna i was like first off i'm off by four pounds i don't know what's wrong with your scale right. i was like and second of all i'm not sweating so i'm not going back in the sauna i came from across the world on 10 days notice i've been running on 140 calories this cliff bar has 230 so this is the biggest meal i've had in almost two weeks Facts. Yeah, and one of his teammates gets in my face like he's going to do something he goes you're going in the sauna Now, I was dead, and this gave me a little energy. I go, are you going to put me in there? I was like, I'd love to see you try. So we start chirping back and forth, and then my teammate Johnny Campbell's like, can I fight him? I was like, go ahead. He takes his clothes off down to his boxers and jumps on the scale. He was like 153. He's a
0: 35er. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I was like, Patty, why don't you fight him? You got such a problem with it. And he's like, it's easy to talk when you don't have any medicals. Well, he had fought the week prior, and he Mm. goes, I have everything that Joe has. I'll fight you tomorrow night and then it got real quiet yeah the the guy that runs the cage warriors was pissed and he was like i'm trying to run a show here and we were kind of being dickheads but like he started it and he pissed me off when i'm trying to save his fight i was about to enjoy steak and cheese when i got the text
0: yeah (laughs) like
1: don't say thanks for missing weight but like give me a little thanks for the effort i put in to save your fight right Uh, instead it turned to this whole like media brigade of like he had a guy with a camera and instead of beating me in a fight, we're going to beat him on social media and drag his name through the mud. But at this point, I still think the fight's on and we, they make us do our face off. And when we faced off and I've not said this about another fighter to this day, we made eye contact when we faced off and he realized, Oh shit, this kid's here to win. And he broke. He literally looked at me like, Oh, I fucked up taking this fight. And then all of a sudden he was on social media saying how the fight's not happening. So I told everybody, I go, we did our face off and he broke. He decided, Oh, I actually can't beat this kid, especially if he's not on weight. And like I said, it's my fault for missing weight. I've never made any excuses. I just explained what happened leading up to it. And when I was offered the fight, it was said that nobody else will step in to take the fight. That I'm on the entire planet Earth. Yeah, Last last guy there. Last resort. So, of course, I'm like, fuck it. Because if I don't make weight, the fight just doesn't happen. But I was confident I could do it. And then he's online dragging my name through the mud saying I took opportunity for so, so and so, so to fight. And I was like, dude, I was like, we can still fight. It's still the night before the fight. I'm texting cage warriors. And they're telling me we have done everything. Patty will not take the fight. I said, Forget thirty percent. Give him all my money. Give me. I'm gonna beat his ass. Give him my win. My win money. I didn't make weight. Give him all my show money. I will walk home with zero dollars. But as long
0: as I get to kick his ass, I don't care. And I mean, so like, and you were already you are already in London at this point, bro. Like you hadn't like you know what I mean. Like you're already there to fight. Fuck it. Take yeah. it all. Let's throw it down. And then
1: the thing was, his thing was like, oh, he came out here for a free vacation. I was like, I'm Italian. If I'm gonna scam a vacation, it's to Italy, not England, where it rains every day.
0: Hell, yeah. And
1: so so that was his big thing was like, you know, I showed up for a free vacation and I wasn't there to fight. Da I was like, listen, if I wanted to show up and miss weight on purpose, I wouldn't have killed myself in the sauna and I wouldn't have eaten two eggs a day for 12 days. Literally, so I was all pissed. And I'm at this point, I'm just trying to do whatever I can to make the fight happen. And then cage warriors text me. Patty will not fight. He will not take the fight. We've tried everything. And I said, all right, screw it. And I looked at Johnny. I said, I guess we're on vacation. So we went out, we went bar hopping. We had one local beer at every every bar that we walked by. Oh, yeah. We ordered some food. And, you know, people kept talking shit online. And I was like, bro, I did my best on 11 days notice when apparently only I was the last 55er on the planet that would take the fight on short notice. Right. I was. It, it is what it is at that point. And Patty kept running his mouth and at one point invited me to come meet him at some bar to fight. And I said, I don't know what bar that is, but I'll come find you. Mm-hmm. And me and Johnny went to go look for him. And we found him. Oh, and, he no. and he was sitting by the window, and he wouldn't come outside and fight. And I was like, "I don't know about England, but in America, when you tell somebody to come fight, you you show up and you fight." And so he asked us to go in, like we weren't going to come inside. And we go in, and there's like five of them sitting at a table. And yeah. I was like, "I was like, you really want to do this inside?" I was like, "Because I will fight five of you. I don't care if I get knocked out. I'm yeah. taking you with me. You're the only one I want."
0: Facts in his backyard too.
1: Yeah, and it, and it turned into, "Oh, we don't have to do that, man. It is what it is." And, you know, and then, you know, he goes, you know, we can go our separate ways because he was eating, too, because it was already decided the fight's not happening. Right. And he's like, we can shake hands and, you know, we can go our separate ways. And if the fight happens in the UFC, it happens in the UFC. And everything in me was saying slap him in the mouth. <laughs> and then there was this little voice that was like, no, he's being mature about it. Shake his hand. Fight him in the UFC one day. Better judgment against my better judgment. I shake his hand. I go. All right, I really don't want to, but we'll go our separate ways. I'll see you in the UFC. Mm -hmm. We're all civil. We leave. I get to my hotel room five minutes later, and he's on Twitter talking shit about me. dude. And I was was just like, Patty, what just happened? I go, you just shook my hand and said, let's let bygones be bygones, and we'll fight in the UFC. And meanwhile, his camera guy that got the whole weigh-in scenario was sitting there at the camera on the table trying to be sneaky with the camera. And I told him, make sure you post this. I know you pick and choose. Make sure you post this. Of course, that video never came to life. Oh, way. yeah,
0: of course. It's already been deleted. It's gone.
1: Yeah, deleted <laughs> five times over. Oh, yeah. So back and forth on Twitter again. And then finally, I was like, you know what? I didn't come here for vacation. I came here to fight. But you know what I got? I got a free vacation. So fuck you, Patty. If you want to book the fight again one day, we'll do that. And then every once in a while he's online Trip, and he's talking shit about me last week. I'm yeah, glad that I, I was
0: going to say, I seen, I seen him like on Twitter every once in a while, your name comes up and I'm like, dude, this guy's still talking about this man. Like the way that I
1: look at it is I've never seen somebody doing better than someone else. Talk shit about them, whether Perfect. it's financially or emotionally or mentally, I'm doing better than Patty Pimblett in some way that has him talking about me. And I know yeah. it's true because I've talked shit about people. And then looking back, I'm like, if I was doing better than them in life, would I feel the need to talk shit? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't. So there's plenty of people out there now that I still don't like. I just don't talk shit about them because I'm like, that means they're doing better than me in life. Yeah. And it's, I'm, I'm definitely not as rich as Patty. Patty's before somebody sees this and tries to talk shit. I'm <laughs> one of the brokest MMA fighters you'll meet. I'm broken than Conor McGregor. I'm broken than Patty Pimblett.
0: but I don't feel the need to talk shit about them unprovoked on the daily. Facts. You know, like I said, I, I have seen him run in his mouth a little bit. and That's just kind of get like as the world gets to know Patty, people realize that he's just that type of guy. He just loves to run his mouth. He doesn't really know what he's fucking saying half the time. He just loves to just keep chirping. So it doesn't surprise me in the least that he still has your name in his mouth. But, you know, as it happens, as it so happens to be, he's now in the UFC You're on your way there. There is a chance in the future that you will be able to get that one back, and you will be able to. And I'm sure that it's going to be entertaining once it does happen.
1: I'll say this. I won't talk shit about someone unprovoked, but if we're both big enough and we're at a press conference, you guys are in for some shit, because Patty likes to talk, Mm -hmm. and I like to fight. And that's going to make a good show.
0: Hell yeah, bro. That's one that I will uh, write down in the Dream Journal and hope that one happens someday, because that's some shit that is going to blow up the microphones I'm sure especially with you guys already have a history that will get resurfaced it's, does this fight happen one day in the UFC so I hope it does happen for you I'm sure it will you know fate has its has its way of making stuff like this happen again so I'm praying for you bro I hope it happens for you me too me too that, that's one that I, I can't wait for yeah it sounds like one you want to get back so I'll be I'll be praying for you uh all right let's get let's get into your last weekend's fight all right we've done enough of the past we've built our way up here Last weekend, Cage Titans 51, you and Jacob Bone, you go down there and you throw down. I know you had a lot of struggles leading up to that fight. You ended up missing weight. um, But the fight itself was an absolute dogfight. You ended up by winning fourth round TKO. Um, Can you just kind of give us a quick synopsis of kind of what you had to go through to get to this fight? And then we'll get into the action.
1: Uh, so right off the rip two days before I jumped in the bus and left, I had to put one of my dogs down, um, mm-hmm. Thor, he had a whole bunch of stuff going on, but it, the toughest part about it was it seemed like we were getting better and then we just hit like a rapid decline. Yeah. So it, it kind of swept the rug out from under us where it it was going to be a beautiful thing where we were like, you know, I'm going to take him on the trip with us. And this is going to be kind of like his last hurrah. Yeah. And then two days before it's like, he, he's actually not going to make it to the ride and we were
0: like
1: what (laughs) and i was mentally checked out i was like nope i'm good i'm gonna text cage titans i'll see you in april and my girl was like you can't and i was like no no i i am going to she was Mm -hmm. like listen you're gonna text them and you're gonna pull out and we're gonna be two weeks from before when you were supposed to fight and you're gonna hate yourself and i was like you're probably fucking right Right. right so i jump in the bus and i go Long trip over, five days, I think, because I got stuck in some storm. Um, I get to AKA three in the morning. I train that morning. I train that night. Train the next day. The weekend comes by. I rest up. And when I train Friday, I got a little bit of mat burn on my face from sparring. Well, come Monday, it was another staph infection. Uh, I had high hopes that it was ringworm, so I just put the ointment on it. Mm-hmm. And then Pierre and Ron checked it out, and they were like, no, it's staff." but I'm going to get you. The strongest meds you can get. Hav had a doctor on speed dial, sent him a pick, and they got me a prescription right over. Mm-hmm. Well, they weren't joking when they said these were the strongest prescription they <laughs> could have gotten because I walked in, the lady gave it to me, and she was like, Take it twice a day. Make sure you take food with it. Make sure you double what you drink for water. And I was like, I'm drinking almost two gallons a day. She was like, Okay, well then aim for three. Damn. I didn't. I got like two, two and a quarter at the most. There's no three right.
0: gallons. And That's a lot of water, bro. Yeah. It's <laughs> a lot and, of water.
1: Uh, And then she was like in no sunlight. And I was like, we're in the middle of California. it's So I sat in my bus
0: like a vampire for two weeks. (laughs) Uh, Did the meds fuck you up? Were you mad sick?
1: Yeah. So I ended up getting, I was more like beat up and exhausted, like just tired. And then when I was a week goes by and I finished the medicine, when I was done with the medicine, it really messed me up. Like I was feeling sick. I was feeling sore and exhausted more than training would make me. And I ended up actually getting into my head enough because I felt so bad. I was like, I got to have COVID. Like, it's got to be. Right. So then I couldn't find a COVID test anywhere. Apparently, they're high demand. So Apparently, yeah. sc- we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> I'm scouring California looking for COVID tests, calling everywhere. And they basically all keep saying, oh, I don't know. You got to come in and look. And I'm like, okay. So I'm driving around California for two hours. I finally find one. I take it. It's negative. I'm like, okay. And then it comes with two. So two days later, it was Sunday. I take one. Then it comes in negative. So now I'm like, I don't have COVID. All weekend I laid in bed. I was just, I was, I had a headache. I was like achy. Monday, I finally started feeling better. Well, that Monday was the Monday of when I was leaving. So I got good training in Monday. I trained Tuesday. I trained Wednesday morning, and then I left. Right. So in total, I trained in AKA for nine and a half days. For this Entire fight. Yeah. So- So now I'm driving home, and I honestly, I've said to everybody before this fight, I think Bond is a better fighter. No knock on anybody. I think for stylistically, he's a better fighter than Darius Estelle. I think he's a tougher fight for me than Darius Estelle. And I trained for Darius for eight weeks at AKA, and now I'm like, I trained for this guy for nine and a half days.
0: Right. So when I first got there.
1: Yeah. When I first got the staff, I was like, I'm going to have to pull out. And my girl was like, well, let's just take it slow. See how you feel. A week goes by. I haven't trained. I, I like lifted at the, at this other weightlifting gym and like went on the treadmill, but that's not fight training. Right. I'm done with the meds and I'm like, okay, I'll fight. And then that week goes by and I feel awful. I thought I had COVID. I was like, I got to pull out. Like I, I can't even walk, forget, fight someone. We wait the weekend. I feel a little bit better. I get three days of training. in, so now I'm like all confident and stuff. And I'm like, I can do this. And the drive home, just by myself, I'm sitting there going, trained for nine and a half days. My weight's not as low as I need it to be. Like, I'm screwed. And when I show up on, on any venue, any fight week, I like to be 170 at the most. Right. Monday of the fight, I was 178. And I was oh, like, man. I was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. I'm eating super clean. I'm drinking two gallons of water a day. Like, the only props I gave myself was my sleep schedule from driving, and like I was finishing gallons of water at like two in the morning instead of like at night because I was still right. up. Mm-hmm. So I went and I, I ate clean for the day. I cut back on some calories. So instead of like four ounces of chicken with my avocado, I was having two ounces of chicken, like as much cutting as I could. Exactly. I that night, and the next morning, I'm 173. I'm like, oh, sick. If I can keep losing five pounds, I'll be good. And then the day before weigh ins, I cut that night. I, I think I slept off and cut like five pounds. The morning of weigh I was 169, which is still more than I ever am before
0: weigh right. Yeah, you're, uh, so you're supposed to hit 155,
1: right? Yeah. So I was 69 the, the morning before weigh not the morning of, huh, the morning before. Right. And in the morning of weigh I was 164. So I was, like, I was like, okay, so I got another five pounds off. I was like, so I got another nine pounds to go. Like, that's fine. So I start my cut and I sweat off three pounds and i'm running out of time and i'm like i felt like i was sweating a lot but the number wasn't going down so i'm like what the fuck is going on so i told cage titans i was like i'm just gonna be late to weigh in so i was like i'm gonna be on weight but i'll be late so then we drive down i check my weight i'm 162 and a half so i was like all right, I'm going to the sauna i haven't saw yet i because me personally i've had bad experiences with saunas so i do a sauna suit and either a treadmill or a bike right and so i was like but it's crunch time. We need it faster. We're going to go to the sauna, sure. running the sauna commission gave me an hour. So I'm in there for, and I was like, normally I do sessions intermittently. Screw mm-hmm. it. We're going to get in and we're going to sweat and vibe.
0: Just sit there. <laughs> there you go. So
1: they said I had an hour to be back, which means I was only in there for 40 minutes. Cause then I had to get dressed and go right. 40 minutes goes by. I'm down two pounds. So I'm point five. By this point, bonds team already said, uh, when, when we get back, because they went to lunch or something, they were like, "When we get back, if he's under 160, the fight's on." Whatever. Right. All right. So I left again, went back to the sauna. I had another 20, 30 minutes. I went back in. I sweat out a half a pound exactly. So I'm 160. By this point, I'm usually struggling to get a sweat, but I'm sweating bullets. And I'm right. sitting there, and I'm like, "Can somebody talk to the commission? Like, give me two hours. I know this is absurd. Give me two hours, and I will make this fucking weight." Right. So we can't do that. We got a time limit. Commission's got a time limit. I show up 160 on the nose. So now the no- negotiations start. Exactly. Oh, we want his show money, his win money, and we want him to pay us another 500 bucks. I said, buddy, I could barely afford gas to get home the other day. You're not getting 500 bucks from me. Right. I was like, I was like, if that's the case, I know it's terrible. I know I fucked up. Let's just push the whole fight to the 25th. So now everybody's like, oh, we're going to make bond cut again. Are we going to wait a couple more weeks? I was like, I can be on weight in two hours or I can be on weight in a couple weeks. You let me know. Mm-hmm. So now my coaches and them are talking. And so then I was like, how about this? You take a thousand dollars, take my entire show purse. I don't right. give a shit. I didn't make weight. You, your show money is to show up and make weight. Right. I showed up, did not make weight. Just take the whole frigging thing. I was like, and then I'll re- if I beat him, I'll rematch him on February 25th and he can have another shot at the belt. And if I miss weight then, whether we fight or not, I'll vacate the belt. Cage Titans can friggin' take it. Right. I go, I go, but if he beats me tomorrow night, I go, he gets the belt. I, I no rematch. He gets the belt because he made weight and he deserves it. So nice. that's that's what ended up happening. Mm-hmm. If he had beat me the other night, he'd be the champ. I wouldn't get an immediate rematch. I wouldn't deserve it. Right. And if I did win, he gets an immediate rematch. Um, and I'll be on weight
0: or I'll vacate, which deservingly so. hmm yeah, man. Uh, sounds like you did everything in your power to kind of make this, the the um, negotiation of this situation. It's obviously a shitty situation, but it sounds like you did everything in your power to make it as fair as possible, so that you guys could still fight. You know, still show up, put a fight, put a show on for the fans, and then he still has his shot at the belt, and you kind of just take take the lumps for missing the weight.
1: Hundred percent. And like, what was what got me more upset about the situation is just like. The stories that branched off from it, like, oh, if Bond wins, wins, he doesn't get the belt. And Joe robbed him of that so that no matter what, he keeps the belt. And I was like, I don't know who you talk to, but if Bond beats me, I'll personally hand
0: him the belt. I don't want it at that point. Mm -hmm. I think Uh, it was just a lot of confusion, too, because even when Cage Titans had posted the fight, it had said, like, 160 catchweight non-title fight as, like, the main event. So I think for, like, the outsiders looking in, it was a little bit confusing. But the way that you had explained it on like your social medias and stuff, I think those people that had paid attention to that kind of understood what was going on more, um, more so than if they just looked at it from the outside. You know what I mean?
1: A hundred percent. And that was like another thing, too. Like I made another post and like at this point, it it doesn't matter, but it, it needs to be said going forward. And I I hate being the spotlight of it. But the media like the media has this if they especially if they blow up and get big or go viral, the media has this power to make and break careers or set precedents in people's careers. So, like, I have a stigma against me that, oh, Joe misses weight all the time. He never makes weight. And I say to everybody, list six times that I've missed weight. Mm-hmm. Anything, one is too many, but I've missed weight three times. This last fight, my fight for LFA, and the one with Patty. The only legitimate one, they're all legit. The only one that I truly, truly feel, as scummy as it sounds, truly feel bad for was the one at LFA because it was just a bad cut but like I just couldn't get the weight down. But that was only a four week camp, but still a camp. Right. This the Patty one was twelve days notice. This one had a lot of shit, and I get none of its excuses. It's all my fault, no matter what. But you know, Bonds managers run an MMA site, and I hate. Like I said, I hate calling people out. But it's they're called New England MMA, mm-hmm. not not our guy MMA, not Jacob Bond MMA. They're right. called New England MMA. supposed to be an unbiased source of news. I have a former teammate, current teammate, whatever you want to call him, Brendan Boats. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't train together anymore, but we're still friends. He works for them as well. He writes unbiased articles all the time. Steven Domenico writes unbiased. Me and him didn't get along for a while. He writes unbiased articles about me all the time. These two managed my opponent and they went out and wrote an article that was so unbiased and so close to, they didn't lie. But it was so close to lying that you can make the argument like we're going to tell the truth, but we're going to stretch it as far as we can. Mm-hmm. And I read it the next morning and especially what got me was they were there for the negotiations. Obviously, they negotiated the money and what's going to happen. And when they wrote it in the article, they wrote it as, quote, unquote, Bond's team acted swiftly to save the fight. Why wouldn't you just write Lars and I were there and then put in parentheses? jacob bond's managers Mm -hmm. and parentheses, decided to get in on the negotiations but you were biased and then you hid the fact that you were biased to somebody that doesn't know you because if you don't know that they're his manager you just think oh his team acted swiftly and they saved the fight
0: exactly and it's
1: like no you guys are giving yourselves a pat on the back to try and drag my name through the mud and it was just super biased so i made a post about it and me and travis talked about it and And I said, maybe I overreacted a little bit. I was like, but it is super biased. And it's propaganda at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just told him, I go, you have a responsibility just as much as a media member as you do as a manager. I get it. Take care of your guy, make your guy sound great. But when you're writing an article on a media website, I don't give a shit what your job is. You're a media writer. You write that as an unbiased source of information. And I had other people in uh, other media websites people that I don't get along with people I do get along with message me and say, Hey man, that wasn't right. Like you should have made weight. But the way that they came at you in that article, even
0: the fight breakdown after the fight is very biased. Oh, I haven't peeped that. I haven't peeped that yet. I might have to go back and take a look. I saw, I saw a
1: quick few lines and I was like, Nope, I'm good. I was like, I'm not even going to bother reading the rest of it because that's already so biased, you know? And like, it was a war that was back and forth. But if you're, if you're scoring that fight, it's not like it was a razor to the wire the entire time. Exactly. Um, and that breakdown just makes it seem like it's such a back and forth until I get to finish like razor close. And it's just like Travis and Lars, if you watch this or somebody tags you shame on you for writing something that biased. I'm not saying, Oh, be nice to me. Cause I missed weight and I'm a good guy. No, you can shit on me all you want, but be unbiased. That's all I'm asking, because this is why some fighters hate getting in front of the media. Some guys hate doing interviews. Some guys just hate it in general. But, you know, especially a a site that hasn't blown up, you need fighters like me, just like how I haven't blown up on the world stage. I need somebody like MMA junkie. I'm not going to go make enemies with them. Right. So whether it was about me or not, like I said, you can shit on me. I'll own my mistakes and take my lumps. But don't be biased about it. And I know I'm going on a rant, but that just it really irked me. Rant away, bro. Other people were like, "No, you're not in the wrong." They came at you low key on that one, and I was like, "Okay," because I don't want to see that happen to anybody. It's just
0: not right. Right, and there is something to be said for um, what is like people that work in the media that are like they were a part of his camp, correct? The people that write for this website, they're in his camp. There's so isn't yeah? So this is a like giant conflict of interest. Like for someone that is trained media, went to school for media, and all that stuff. The first thing you learn in school for this stuff is you can't report on something that is a conflict of interest mm-hmm. and this sounds like a just from someone like me this sounds like a giant conflict of interest something that they should have had someone else in the room right someone else in the company right that was not directly involved in this camp and with their with this fighter um, so just hearing that just kind of racks my brain a little bit where it's just like that doesn't sound very right to me you know what yeah I
1: mean? they have other guys they have guys that i i know all of them i yeah, there's yeah. guys that there's guys that aren't my biggest fan and there's guys that i'm really good friends with but they all know how to write unbiasedly and they would all have no problem writing quote unquote joe Giannetti is my friend but is an idiot for not making way like i'd be <laughs> cool with that yeah but yeah. just try to be sneaky about it and like throw a dig at someone and pat yourself on the back it's like you're just my girlfriend's a teacher. And she was like, this is what I would show students to say, hey, this is propaganda. Don't write it this way.
0: Exactly. So this fight, man, just to jump into the action real quick. Absolute war. I know you said that this is not the way that you wanted to fight. This is not the fight that you um, hoped it would be. Um, but you were just kind of just like, fuck it threw caution to the wind and just threw hands.
1: Yeah, uh, so, like, you know, we had talked about the whole lead-up and everything. Mm -hmm. I struggled to... We joked about the cold. The cold really did get to me. Staying warm was such a pain in the ass, and I felt cold and stiff walking out, and I was so in my head about the preparation. Uh, I couldn't, like, get in my flow, so, you know, when my music hit and it was time to walk, I was like, we are going to stare him down, and we are going to be ready to go to war, bell to bell, because... Whether I believed in my preparation or not, one thing I always believe in is my is my instincts. I think I have some of the best fighter instincts and I knew if I could throw caution to the wind and make it a dirty brawl, my instincts will take over and I'll shut my brain off. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, my yeah. brain clicked off and we just let my body take over and do what it had to do to get the win.
0: Yeah, dude, when I saw you, I saw you walking down to the cage and I, once I saw you walk out, I go, Oh man, this boy is all business right now. You get in there, you're pacing back and forth and you didn't take your eyes off him for one yep. second. And I turned to my friend who, she was there working for, um, fight bananas. And I was like, he's locked the fuck in right now. Like he's so locked in. I could just see it in your eyes. You wouldn't take your eyes off him. And he, you know, he was doing his thing. And I was like, yeah. I, can't, okay, this is, I was like, this is, I was looking at it and I was like, this is about to be crazy. And yeah, it was my fight of the night by far the best fight on the card. Um, and you guys, yeah, it was, it was a war, a one that you didn't necessarily need to make it, but that's kind of what it turned out to be and definitely played out well for the fans that got to watch it. And now you guys kind of got to pay that, pay the price for it physically. You know, how are you feeling after that fight?
1: Uh, I feel good, man. I feel a lot better. Cause we won, you know, uh, I got a couple stitches. I got five on this side, three on this side and a sprained thumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest thing for me is I'm glad this isn't broken. So I'll be back to training probably by the end of next week. Oh yeah. Um I mean I'm already like walking and working jabs and stuff but like like actually hitting pads a couple extra weeks before I grapple or anything cuz of the cuts. Uh, but I feel pretty good. I feel good mentally, and I feel good physically. Um something that was big for me was just being able to do that against like I've said leading up to this fight Bonds a badass. Being able to do something like that against such a good guy on such shitty preparations. Uh <laughs> it was just something that I'll hold on to next time, you know, whether next time we fight or I fight somebody else that's good. I'll be like, I can do this on my best or my worst day.
0: So I know there was a stipulation in agreement to this first fight that you guys would rematch again at cage Titans combat night three in a couple weeks. Is that something that's now just kind of off the books because maybe you guys have to heal up before you take it, take over the rematch or are you still looking at that 25th date to run it back?
1: Um, so he's not going to be cleared by the 25th and I don't think that I will because of the stitches. Right. Um, I know that, so I actually bumped into him and when I did actually go to the ER, I did bump into him at the ER, Mm -hmm. um, and he said that they're sending him, or they were sending him to get an MRI to see what he told He actually ended up tearing something in his knee.
0: Yeah, I saw him on the stool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I dropped him, so uh, we got to figure out what the deal is with that, but I told him and his corner while we were still in the cage, I was like, uh, I'm not going to wait around for him. You know, if he comes back in a week and says, hey, I can fight in November, I'm not going to wait until November to fight Jacob Bond. I'll fight people I'll I'll fight people in between that but when he is ready and says hey I can fight on this date I'm his first guy back he doesn't have to get back in line he's first in line when he's healthy and I told his corner that and I told him that I was like don't rush don't rush your recovery to come fight me because the biggest reason for the rematch was one if he felt robbed that he gets his Equal opportunity to win the belt with me on weight, and two, I want to beat him with no asterisks, so that by the time this is all said and done, people go, "Oh no, Joe beat Bond twice. Once it was kind of unfair because he missed weight, but the second time was perfectly equal, and he beat him again." Um, so it was for him, but it was also for me. So I told him, I was like, "Take it, take it, take it easy, recover, because if I beat you, I want to beat you at hundred percent. So there's no questions, no commas, nothing. Um, so that fight will happen." As long as, you know, I don't go on a tear and get picked up by the UFC, I told him as long as I'm here, his title shot is here when he's healthy.
0: For sure. Will you advocate for him to get a shot at the belt, let's say, if you do move on and you do end up getting picked up elsewhere? was Is that something that you would go out of your way to do for him? I would, I would
1: make it a point that I don't care who the other guy is, that if, if I got, say, I win a fight or two and the UFC picks me up or I'm on the contender or something and Bond wants to fight, I don't care who the other guy is. I would make sure to tell Cage Titans he's your, he's your A side. He's the guy fighting whoever for the belt because, like I said, he earned his way to his shot, and I kind of took it away from him with the, with the weight miss and guaranteed him a title shot. So whether it's against me or somebody else, his next fight will be for the Cage Titans lightweight title. Unless he says otherwise, he wakes up one day and he finds a better opportunity or something. But as long as he wants it, his next fight will be for the Cage Titans lightweight title.
0: Yeah, that's cool of you to do for him too. Especially, you know, he did agree on the stipulations to make this fight happen, and then for you to go out of your way to do that for him, I think that would be be really cool of you as as a fighter and as a professional. Honestly, it's really cool to see. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. Like I said, I'm a fighter. I get it. It sucks when guys. I fought plenty of guys that miss weight and. It's not an excuse to make me look better, but, like, I don't bat an eye. I've taken minimal money. Like, I get it. It sucks when your opponent misses weight, especially when they're good. Um, And I'm also a fan, so it sucks when you feel like you watched a really good fight, but maybe it would have been different if they were both on weight. So I get it, and I can't go back in time and make the weight, so I just want to do whatever I can to make it right
0: going forward. I know that we're so, like, it's so fresh out of your last fight. Um, do you have a timetable for when you want to get back in there for cage Titans and throw down again? Um, do you, or is it still kind of too soon you're still kind of working out the, the logistics of everything?
1: Uh, I really wanted to fight on that February 25th card. So before the weight miss and before the bond thing, I was already working on another fight. <laughs> Rachel, relax. <laughs> um, I was already working on another fight for the 25th, but obviously Bond's next now and I gotta heal up. Um, but I would like to fight in April. And the problem with that is, you know, between the spacing of now and then I would need to go back to California and I don't have the money for that right now. So I do need to work up, get more sponsors, save up. So
0: realistically, we're probably looking at the June 4th card. June 4th. Sounds good, man. I can't wait. Whenever you get back in there, I'll be there. Um, I'm right down yeah. the right down the, right down the road from there, man. I go see the case signs cards out. I won't be all cut up this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I saw you. I saw you come out of there with some blood. I go, man, he's going to get stitched up. He ain't gonna be back here. <laughs> I was like, I'll talk to him later, whatever. Um, so I appreciate you for joining me, bro. I just want to wrap this up real quick. I want to do like a little little rapid fire, kind of not fight related stuff. All right, who was your favorite athlete growing up? Any sport? any sport
1: it's, it's Michael Jordan.
0: Uh, I, when I was a kid, I saw space jam, Michael Jordan all the way. Hell yeah. Uh, what's your favorite, what's your like go to post-fight meal? Five guys, five guys. Five I, see, guys. I see you. I see yeah. you repping hard for five guys all the time. I knew that was the answer. <laughs> yeah. Bacon cheeseburger with a, with a milkshake and some uh, whipped cream and fries. Hell yeah. Who's someone in your gym right now that we might not know about, but we should keep our eyes on for the future
1: uh i think some people know him but uh kyle driscoll if you guys don't know he's fighting for cage warriors next month mm-hmm. he was on the contender series once already and he
0: won uh, but he's the next one up for sure i know you stream on twitch what is your go-to game what's your what's your favorite game to play right now
1: uh it's honestly my favorite lately has been fortnite is where i yeah. started streaming I Was on i was on warzone for a while but you know fortnite's kind of came back to life and i've been having a blast
0: yeah same um,
1: interesting for the next couple weeks you know down a thumb <laughs> yeah. so I, I might try mouse and keyboard for a couple games maybe not fortnite maybe warzone yeah might you try might my-
0: you might get uh you might get a little uh, a little frustrated with the mouse and keyboard guys <laughs> uh yeah i stream on twitch as well and i find uh for me i was i was hard into fortnite it fell off a lot. I picked up Warzone for a little bit, and now Warzone's ass. And now I'm back on Fortnite, having as much fun, having as much fun now playing Fortnite as I was when I first picked it up. So, it's a blast going back there. So I'll probably be on the sticks tonight. So we'll see. Um, are you on console or PC? Uh, PC.
1: So I have a. When I was on the road in my bus, I was playing on my PS4. But here at home, I have a PC. You have a
0: streaming rig, too, with a face cam and everything for your for Twitch. Yeah, sure. That's actually
1: how I wanted to do this
0: call from. But Skype was being a pain. So I was like, screw it. I'll do it for my phone. Of course, bro. Of course, PCs, you know, sometimes they'd be giving you they'd be giving you hiccups. Um, right. What's your is OK. Is five guys your favorite fast food spot in general. Or is that just your your go to?
1: Uh, it's definitely my favorite. Close second, like real, like fast,
0: fast food is Wendy's. I feel that. Who all right, last one. Who's your celebrity crush? Don't let your girlfriend hear this. Give her the earmuffs. Who's your who's your celebrity crush?
1: <laughs> hey, who's my celebrity crush?
0: Who is it? Hayley Seinfeld. All right, all right, all right, all right. I got you. All you right, know. <laughs> she already knows. I love that. All right, bro. I appreciate you joining me, man. I had a blast talking to you. I'm sure I'll see you around man. the way. Um all right. before you get out of here, man. Plug the socials. Tell people where they can find you. Plug your Twitch. Let them know where they can find you out there.
1: Every social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, it's just at Jannetty MMA. Two N's and two T's. That's Two N's,
0: two T's. Yep. That threw me yep, for a loop as well.
1: That gets everybody. But uh, yeah, I'm going to be streaming a little bit more once I figure out how to play on a mouse and keyboard. Or I'll just play some
0: friggin' Mario Kart on my Switch. <laughs> but we'll get go. the streams back we'll up just together. It, run it like this real quick. Alright, bro. I'll see you out there, man. It's good talking to you. I appreciate you. Best of luck in the future. I'm sure I'll be talking to you again soon. Joji and Eddie, everybody. And there you guys have it, man. Thanks again to Joji and Eddie for coming on the show. I appreciate it. I hope I get to talk to you again soon. I had a blast, and we will definitely be looking out for what you got going on in the future. For everybody that's listening please go check out Gianetti MMA on all social medias. All right, go follow this kid. He deserves the attention. He deserves a shine. And I guarantee you'll be hearing his name in the future. So thank you guys again for listening. Go follow me on Instagram at CagedInPodcast and on Twitter at CagedInMMAPod. And just keep rocking with your boy, man. We got some great interviews coming up in the future. And um, the future looking bright for 2022, man. I'm excited. Let's get this ball rolling, all right? Later, guys.